Hi, uh, welcome to Workshop Wednesday, and this is uh, number two in my process of uh, development and psychology around my experience as a child and coping with all of those inner demons when I was um, growing up into adulthood and, and how I developed and how therapy has transformed my life. Which is why over the next four weeks I'm going to cover in kind of detail um, about inner critic, toxic shame, social anxiety and emotional flashbacks which all kind of group together in under the overarching subject of complex post-traumatic stress disorder which is something I've been formally diagnosed with along with binge eating disorder um, as a result of the abuse that I had as a child or should I say received as a child. So where did it all start? Complex post-traumatic stress disorder starts somewhere as a nucleus of where everything begins and for me it began I came to the realization as a 15 year old that uh, my father actually disliked me which for a 15 year old boy after receiving quite a lot of trauma in my childhood through emotional abuse emotional neglect uh, a fairly low threshold for violence which I experienced looking back at that time when my father said on my 15th birthday that he hated me was the nucleus and the start of a very long bumpy road of which was traveled in the dark ostensibly and it wasn't until I kind of hit my 40s and faced some fairly significant health issues as well as my own mental health where suicide ideation was a very strong thought process for me at the time. So I'm going to talk about how it all started and why I'm here talking to you today as a thriller writer and, and author is that the disturbance of my mind is it comes from somewhere and this is where it kind of all comes from so it all started when I was 43 with my therapist asking me why do you want to talk to me and of course I didn't really want to talk to anybody because I was fine I was kind of cruising through life um, carrying extra weight I was kind of extroverted and um, fully ensconced in my career as a medical professional and really not understanding why I felt the way I felt. But after leaving home and making my own way in life, it wasn't until I was 43 that I realized that the view of my world was entirely perverted. I drifted mercilessly through my 20s and 30s with no regard for my health or the consideration of others. It was here my wife suggested I sit and chat with Jane, cognitive therapist who has a toe dipped into the spiritual side of things. And just to see what came up, I didn't want to speak to her and of course, why did I need to have therapy? I was fine, right? So Jane said, why do you want to speak to me? It's the first thing she said, and I remember it vividly back in March 2013. Jane is a master of leverage with talk, and in a couple of well-phrased sentences, my world just bottomed out, manifesting that pit in your stomach, actually creating a feeling, something which I later realised I was totally immune to. I couldn't, I was just completely teflon coated to the negativity that was growing inside of me the feeling had always been there and that was a shock and a realization we don't feel our heart beating every second of the day but if we sit quietly and dial into the lub dub of the beat it's a noisy old thing the heart can be heard this was similar Jane had shone a light on what was wrong inside of my head, which had physical consequences. It was obvious to Jane and the rest of the world I was in poor health. I was morbidly obese, diabetic, with a growing list of chronic conditions. But in my world, I was fine, chipper, tip top. Jane opened the door, which was to become a roller coaster of emotional trauma, despair, and pain. But was it all worth it? 
truthfully, I don't think I would be here on the eve of my 52nd birthday if Jane hadn't come into my life. And yes, I still see Jane every month and sometimes once a week and when I'm in an active flashback that's uprooted my mental health. We actually talk daily, sometimes twice a day. She prophesied the treatment is something which would require a long game strategy. How long, I inquired. It was her turn to shrug. It's been almost 10 years and this, I've come to learn, was just the tip of the iceberg. So damaged was my conscious mind. It will need a lifetime of coaching. Crazily, I thought the psychological damage I had was from the army. I had done some stuff and seen some things any human shouldn't and these are bound to have affected me on some level. But curiously it was my childhood. My childhood was a deep-rooted cause of my pain and like the pit in my stomach or on the every second of the day beat of my heart goes unnoticed. The treatment I received from my parents was wrong. So wrong that I left home at 17 to join the army already ravaged by serious levels of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Pete Walker in his book Complex PTSD and surviving to thriving classifies complex post-traumatic stress disorder as a more severe form of post-traumatic stress disorder and has five categories which lie beneath this title. Emotional flashbacks, toxic shame, self-abandonment, a vicious inner critic and a social level of anxiety which I'm going to, over the next four or five weeks, I'm going to cover those in much more detail and how that's applied in my life and the coping mechanisms that I've learned over the last 10 years with Jane to deal with those five things because they are very uh, limiting, disabling and causing you to become very inert in your behaviour to the rest of the world. Uh, But there is, if you are caught in any of those things if not all of those things that I've just mentioned there is a way out but at this stage of my treatment I was still in contact with my mum and dad and oblivious to how in particular my father treated me even in adult life I would fawn in his presence something which I didn't know I did it petrified me of him something which he would revel in I was a man who wasn't designed to fit in I was designed to stand out I'm very assertive I'm quite bullish in my demeanor I'm very confident and when I walk into a room generally people take notice I'm not um, that's not hyperbole or blowing my own trumpet it's just the way that I am and sometimes I stand back and I don't understand why I do that because I just do it it just happens but in the presence of my father I shrivel I'd wilt like a dehydrated wallflower and I was oblivious to my behaviour not until Sam would mention it in the car on the way home. She and I would have, let's call it, a bit of friction for want of a better word because it was never an out out argument. It was just her arguing my corner for me and me isolating because of it. She could never understand why I would be so silent in his presence yet his behaviour was so abhorrent, disgusting. With family get-togethers my father would make some misogynistic comments or racist jibe and my sister, my mum and myself would just chuckle in unison to the comment and now I understand it. It's an act of preservation under the critical eye of the narcissist, unelected and undeserving patriarch of my family. My wife and brother-in-law would sit stony-faced in the comment or behaviour, just not getting it or understanding the joke. I just didn't see through the abuse, so immune to his behaviour to deflect his abuse elsewhere. The hard thing for me to realise is my father disliked me. This isn't just indicative of my symptoms. He said it, as I said earlier on my 15th birthday, that he hated me. How does a 15-year-old boy process this? And how can this comment, just on its own, How can that not affect me in later life? The tough diagnosis I had to come to terms with was the extended period I was verbally, physically and emotionally abused by the one person who should show nothing but love and patience. 
Looking back, I felt his contempt throughout my childhood, which had a very low threshold for violence. This all came under the guise of corporal punishment, hard parenting, he called it. I was so alone in my home. The level of loneliness I felt through my childhood makes my guts twist even after all of this time. The ongoing abuse I received had a psychological effect on me. This kind of ongoing, unrelenting abuse changes the neuroplasticity of the brain. I would start echoing words of my father. I wasn't good enough. I was too fat, worthless, stupid. He also used words like slug or Doris. It was unending. Nothing I did had any credence to this man. This kind of external programming wired my brain to think in a certain way, linking my own emotions. The sense of self-loathing becomes so strong, my true identity becomes buried in the untruths of who my father believed I was. Take an Apple computer, you introduce a Microsoft program, and the Apple computer rejects it because it just doesn't understand it. This, on some level, is the same thing. Rewiring the brain is possible, but it will take years of confronting this inner critic and changing the inner narrative and this starts with forgiveness. One thing my inner critic cannot fathom is forgiveness. The critic who has the voice of my father is unrelenting. It's always there, even now. He discarded me from the earliest of memories, which adds to my pain. What did I do wrong? How could I have changed things? These are not the right questions, Just even just the question why. He was, and is, damaged himself, caught in his own cycle of unwellness. Some weird Stockholm syndrome, my mum falls into his beating drum. Today, after finding the courage to cut him off and remove his cancerous behaviour from my life, it was only going to be a matter of time for my mum to cross the fence and side with him. As much of a victim in all of this as I am, my mum has made her choice, and I have nothing but love, light and forgiveness towards her. But for my self-preservation, on a healthy level, I must exclude this behaviour from my world. What am I doing here, sharing my experience and business with you? because it's very private. Well, I know I'm not alone, and even if a part of what you read or listen to here resonates through the wilderness of your pain, you can come to learn you're not alone too. I have lived it, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still drifting through alternate realities. The road is long, challenging, and requires effort that needs you to dig deep. It needs guidance too, and unless you reach out and find your own Jane, the pages of a self-help book won't cement the genuine change you're going to need to achieve in order to be free. For me, I can see the end of the tunnel. When the emotional flashbacks happen, I feel them. It's a physical sensation. It feels my guts twist. I feel a heaviness descend on me where I feel like I'm suddenly caught in mud. It creates an isolation I sense. And this is the realisation I must get out of the funk as soon as possible before I go too far down the hole. This is an enormous step in my recovery, identifying this. As the inner critic starts and the spiral of darkness descends, I hit it off at the past and I think about what I have and the gratitude I feel for my actual reality. I forgive myself and reassure my inner child, self-talk myself to a place where the burden of his pain dissipates into nothing. It's here where the isolation ends. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, I have a lifeline. A couple of lifelines, actually. My wife is the first person I go to. She is the embodiment of patience and common sense. My wife does the trick. But if you can't, then the bat phone to Jane and she will knock it on the head. I want you to know that you're not alone in this. And you're not the bad person here. You are a victim in the entire process and there is no need for you to drift through your non-realities and play your role as a victim. Live your life, be free and focus on one thing we should all focus on, finding the love within us, for all of us. I wish you well.